Welcome to the Neck Now podcast, presented by the New England Center for Children. I'm your host, Jeff Arnold, and today's guest is Sue Langer. Sue is our Chief Program Officer and has been working at NECC for more than 40 years. Sue and I had a wide-ranging conversation about her role, the programs that the Center offers, and the Center's history. Thanks to Sue for coming on. So you are the Chief Program Officer at NECC. Yes. At a very basic level, what does that mean? That means I oversee the delivery of clinical and educational services to the Southboro program. And in that, I supervise the professional development, the training department, I supervise the education department, and I supervise the clinical director and the IIP. And probably someone else that I'm not remembering. <laughs> a lot of people. I have yeah. my own page. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So how, I guess, just from like a thousand foot view, yeah. how do you manage all of that? Or I guess what what in your background has given you the skill set um, to manage all those different pieces of our programming? I think really important is just my history. I've done almost every job here. I've done every job that I just mentioned at some point in my career. And obviously it's changed a lot over time and gotten more complicated, but I think it really has to do with my perspective across the program because I have participated in all of those job. You know, I was director of training. I was director of day school. I've been here 44 years, so I've done a lot, <laughs> you know, just by virtue of Spending so much time here. Yeah. I think once I retire tomorrow. No. <laughs> <laughs> There's a big announcement. <laughs> I want the world to know. I don't think this position will be replaced. Oh, graduate studies. I'm sorry. I also oversee graduate studies and all the BCBA supervision. <laughs> I don't think um, we're going to break it up a little bit. Because yeah. not because I'm so great, just because no one has been here as long, I think, and yeah. has managed so much across as the years. You mentioned that things have changed throughout your that's obvious. Yes. To say things have changed. But the direction that the center has taken over the last forty five years and really the last, you know, twenty five, thirty where it's really expanded. Yeah. Has that, have those changes made it so that your job going down the road once you leave, that's, is that some of the reason why it'll be broken up because of just how complex and how multifaceted this is? Yeah, I think that's right. Um, in the past, we had a chief operating officer who oversaw Abu Dhabi and Southboro and ACE and absolutely every satellite part of our program as well as the residential program. When she no longer worked here, we broke that up. I think every time someone leaves, because the program has grown so much, every time someone leaves, we break out the job descriptions a little more because just because of the growth. Let's talk a little bit about your background. Okay. What year did you get to NECC? And okay. Kind of how how has your career progressed while you're here? You've mentioned you've held pretty much every, every job you every, could. So yes. so how how do you get from you arrive here in when you did to the yeah. point where you are now where you're overseeing so much? Yes. Well, I came here a year after graduating college. I was very interested in behavior analysis in college, and. Once you're committed to that, you don't really want anything else. And at that time, and it was in 1976 that I started working, there weren't programs 
this was, you know, I remember reading this ad and it talked about behavior analysis and it was the only thing I ever saw that talked about it. And so I feel like that has driven me to stay and do everything else that I've done. So that's my framework. I also, the autism part comes because that is the only place that behavior analysis has been applied. At least it was until like 10 years ago. And then it's truly expanded across many areas. But if you wanted to do behavior analysis, you worked with kids with disabilities. And if you wanted the best program, this was it. I mean, I really felt from the beginning there was a drive to get better and better and better. I don't, I don't, I attribute that to Vinny. I've always attributed that to Vinny, both his uh, commitment to behavior analysis and his drive for excellence. And the two went together very well. And I've wanted to leave in the past. I've thought about leaving in the past. I've looked in the past. I, I just don't see anywhere else. If you're interested in clinical, obviously, if you're a researcher, there's plenty. Right now, there's many more programs than there ever used to be. There's a lot more places to go, but I'm committed here. You talk about uh, the clinical side. As someone who doesn't really have any background yeah. in ABA or really any sort of these applicable science things. What, what does it mean? Like, like so you, you oversee the clinical program. Yeah. What does that mean at a practical level? At a practical level, it means ensuring that there are procedures in place to decrease behavior, that there's an analytical framework, that identifying, treating, and maintaining behavior is very prescribed but very creative at the same time. I, I think data, that's the way to describe everything, that anything that we attempt, we have to be able to operationalize and measure. From the clinical to the recruiting, I mean, I, I just think there's a lot of um, productive and objective decision-making. And the objective part is what I really am committed to, and I think it's pervasive throughout. In terms of the field as a whole, you mentioned how in the last 10 years, it's really... Probably 20, because yeah. you have to add five yeah. if you're my age. <laughs> That's so, what they tell so, me. But, but regardless, you've been involved for, for much longer than that. How have yeah. you seen the field as a whole progress? Like what changes have you seen? The increase in kids with autism has really... Ex whether or not it's a diagnostic problem, you know, whether it's not because the diagnosis has changed or there's a true increase, that has made it necessary to have more services. So that's one huge. The behavior analysis part, at least in the past 10 years, has really made it, because it's insurance-based, because um, you can be licensed and serve kids with autism with a license, there are... I would say 20 or 25 more programs that, that exist because of that. So all these consulting programs where you go to homes or you do after-school consulting, you can bill insurance. So that's so greatly expanded the amount of um, resources that people have. And was, it's, was there a key point where insurance started accepting ABA more? Yeah. And, and, that's and that really the, that was the onset. Yes. Yeah. That absolutely, yeah. It was like the next day. All yeah. of a sudden, like if you look for a job now, there are, even in this area, and they're, they're usually, um, they're not 
on-site programs, they're usually a group of consultants who go out to in-home programming or schools. Mm-hmm. Is that what sets, well, I, I mean, I'd imagine many things set NECC apart, but is yeah. that one of the things that sets us apart is the fact that we are a set, I mean, we do have that yeah. side that goes out into homes, but we are also a centralized facility. Yes. Yeah. And not just centralized. I think what truly sets us apart is our residential program. That when we started, it was residential, and then we expanded when the need expanded. There are many more. Um, programs now that are day programs than used to be, but and and I think you can do the job as well as we do in a day program. But I but I truly think our approach to the severe challenging behavior and the residential students is really what sets us apart. Talk about the the history of the residential program, at least in your experience. Yeah. So we started with fifteen students at the on the grounds of Taunton State Hospital, and then. We took over a school that was failing, the Spear School, and then what happened after that is we we merged two programs, and it was the push at that time was community-based programming, and we purchased, now it's up to 16 different, or I guess 12 different houses and an uh, intensive unit. What Vinny said at the time, because sometimes we look back and say we shouldn't have done all these houses that it would be nice to be more centralized. It would be easier on our resources to be centralized, but he didn't feel, and I think he's right that we would have gotten funded at that time to do anything but community. Cause that's where the field was going. No institutions, only community based housing. And it was good and helpful, but I think we look back now and wish, and we can move forward to do this. There was more centralized programming. Part of that is staffing. I think you can provide educational programming with fewer teachers, yeah. but it's the ratios are really based on safety, at least in the residential program. Yeah, that makes sense. I, the The residential program is there really a is there a comparable institution to ours in terms of the depth of it and the breadth of it? I don't think so. I think there are other resident, there are a couple of residential programs. Yeah. I, I just think the quality isn't there. Yeah. And as I said before, I think it's easier to replicate a day program than it is a residential. There's just some aspects of our program that are very different than others. What do you see as kind of the key parts to the future of NECC? Is it international? Um, is it just continuing to provide the depth of programming here? Like what, in five years, we obviously have this five-year strategic yes. plan, but even looking past that, what do you think are like kind of the macro goals and direction of the organization? Um, I think everything will generate from how good we are as a residential program here. So, to me, that's the highest priority is everything else could go away, in my opinion, if we continue to serve the kids that we serve here. Not, nobody else serves them, I don't feel, as well as we do. However, because we do it so well, we are able to expand. I think our public school services is a huge asset to the community. I think the people we send out in the world after they work here it are um, 
make a big difference in the world, you yeah. know, that, that we train them here if they stay five or six years. I know people want to stay here forever. Not everybody can, but they're such an asset when they leave after having been trained here. The public school services are UC is a real asset to yes. the community. To someone without that background in, in the weeds here, what exactly are our public school services and how are they an asset to the community? So it costs a lot of money to send a student here, and the public schools pays for it. I mean, they get federal reimbursement, but it's the town that the student comes from that provides the funding. And so people don't want that to be the first choice for sending kids here, but they don't necessarily have the training to provide. It's very specialized training. It's hard to do in a public school necessarily. So the asset is that people can get served in their own community with our model, mm-hmm. I guess. And it's, we, I don't know how, to, how many we have now, over 50 classrooms at least. Those are kids that wouldn't have gotten served because those kids couldn't come here. And some of them are as severe as some of the kids here. What was the, the genesis of the public school services program? Like, how did that get started? Because obviously you mentioned I'm everything started to, centralized. Yeah. And I, that's a good question. I don't know exactly. I know we were consulting to Worcester Public Schools, and we hired a teacher and consulted to that classroom. And then there was a program in Ashburnham, and Bill Holcomb started that, and it was one classroom. So it was a classroom here and there that just created this model. And even Abu Dhabi, that when we first went there, it was this model that was just recreated. So it's just providing service. We can't provide services to everybody here. And so I think it's just such a good model to send us out. And good for the towns. And good for the kids to be in their communities. (laughs) There's a lot. And to be in a public school so that maybe they could access some general education if they're ready to do that. Yeah. So it seems like a lot of the the history of of NECC has been um, kind of this pilot a model and then expand from there. But the the, the focus has never moved off of quality of service. And I think that that's That's great. And that's probably something that sets us apart because there are some places that might be slightly more fiscally minded. Yes. Um, and that's, I don't know, I think that... No, just, that's great. Yeah. I yeah. should be interviewing you. <laughs> you just said it well. No, it's absolutely true. How do you see... So, Vinny has obviously been at the helm now since yes. 1975. What have you seen as Vinny's... Uh, or what do you admire, I guess, about Vinny from, in terms of his commitment and ability to grow this place or be part I, of the I growth? think his commitment to just being the best and... His vision, like he's 10 steps ahead at all times. I think we started in this little schoolhouse with 15 students, and he was already 20 years ahead saying what this was going to be. He just is driven, and, and he also has made so many connections to help this place move along. So he's connected politically. He was always connected financially with people who knew what they were doing financially. He he managed, when we were such a small program, to contact one of the more prolific researchers and get them to consult us. He kept bringing people in. So Paul Touchette, Murray Sidman, Gina Green, they all have a huge um, contribution to us. 
I think I've learned the most almost from the people that he's brought in. I don't know what to call that. It's just yeah. vision. And yeah. I mean, that's, that, it's, that, is it's, it. that is what vision is. Like, yeah. I don't know anyone else who would think, let me call in a famous scientist. They wouldn't want to work here, but he's so confident and confident in the vision. Can you talk about the, the growth of the training that we provide here? I mean, it, from not just the graduate programs, but just the professional development opportunities. How have you seen that progress in your time here? Well, you're going to find this interesting, but it hasn't changed that much. Really? I feel, I mean, obviously the scale, but the content has always been as a first year teacher. You went through this ABA course here Mm -hmm. and then you were mentored and mentored and mentored. You know, it was sort of a self-evolving, just working here is, there's a lot of formal training, but you're also being supervised by, I feel, some of the smartest people that exist in the field. So it's so, that's how I look at the training. Yeah. I guess not just, you know, our first six-week course, but but the quality of the mentorship. Mm-hmm. And the mentorship, I mean, all of that is predicated upon attracting, retaining yes. these these leaders. And, and how do yes. you think, so people like Dr. Bill Ahern, um, Chada Dixon, I mean, yes. current, these are just current people. How has NECC managed to attract these people and get them to stay? Because I know. there's so many opportunities for, like you said, like research, there are other opportunities yes. out there. Um, I, I guess I think limitless potential. Mm-hmm. I feel like anyone can do whatever they want they think is a good idea as long as they have the science behind them. This is changing gears entirely. Yeah. Uh, do you have a favorite memory of in, uh, in any of your seemingly limitless different roles you've played here? Do you have a favorite memory of working here? I think most people who started as teachers would say their favorite time was being a teacher. And I, I was thinking about this. Um, because you had all the benefits of working with the kids and none of the responsibility. So you, and, and my favorite, my most poignant memory, it's not really poignant. It was getting snowed in for five days in Taunton. You weren't born yet, but there was a blizzard in 1978. It started on a Monday and everything closed. Like, nobody could get in their cars for five days. I'm not sure that could happen now. We're probably better equipped to deal with that. And there were five of us and 15 students, and we stayed in the... We were together for five days. With We were on the grounds of a state hospital, so we had food delivered to us. Mm-hmm. That just, I don't know, I can't, I can't I mean, not a, think of that yeah, when I, I, I think of that experience. I would imagine that would be, anyone who would have gone through that... It, Maybe favorite's the wrong word, yeah, but, most, I, but most, most distinct. Most like. distinct. I think, yes. Anyway, yeah. it, it just felt like being in this field, let this happen. Somehow, if I hadn't been in this field, I wouldn't be in that life yeah. and death situation, kind of. And it was fun, is really what I remember. Do you, I, I guess, probably not every aspect of your job over the years you would describe as fun, but looking back on now... Uh, I'm not good at math, but 44, it's right. 45 yeah. now, your career, it's like 44. Yes. What, what is like, what sticks with you as like, this is legacy is probably too strong a word, but I mean. well, my favorite job here was running the day school mm-hmm. and we didn't have a day school at all when I was, I think I was director of training and 
we had an opportunity to serve six students as a um, as only for the day, and then it went to 24 the next year, and then it went to 50 the next year. I found that role the most satisfying because I was an administrator with control, but I was closer to the students and the teachers. I guess that's my favorite thing. Thanks again to Sue for coming on, and be sure to check back for more episodes of the Neck Now podcast presented by the New England Center for Children. 